Welcome to Wheels, Deals, and Meals, where we talk all things good food, good business, and good cars. And now, here is your host, Arnold Gasita, founder and CEO of Petra Automotive Products. Let's roll. We're excited to have on today's show, Paul Murphy Jr. I've gotten to know Paul Murphy Jr. Uh, a lot. Uh, Paul and I, throughout the last few years, in many things, in some business uh, uh, transactions, but also, I would say mainly uh, working together in the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And so when I was the chairman, after I left, Paul came on board, and uh, but, we, but he's been involved, just like me, with the Houston Hispanic Chamber, and a lot of things in, in Houston, in the community of Houston, very well known, very well liked, very well loved. Paul, thanks for being on the show. Arnold, what a pleasure, glad we have some time together. Yeah, thank you, thank you very much. So listen, you've been busy, it's been a busy uh, time and, and good to be busy, right? <laughs> right, right. So I want to I want to kind of start it with some fun stuff. Okay. What, of all the places you've traveled in the world, what's your favorite? Oh boy, um, I would say St. Bart's. Okay. I, I think there's something special about St. Bart's. Just the the, the ocean, the the beaches, the views. Uh, so are you a beach guy? I like both. I mean, I like the mountains. Because there's those mountain people, and then there's the beach I, people, I like right? both. I like both. I, I spend more time in the mountains, but but no, take me to the beach, and uh, and I can have I can have a lot of fun there. We we went with a group of about 50 people to St. Bart's. So, oh goodness! So not only is St. Bart's fun, but to go with a, a big group of people and um, it, it was fun. The party away. There were some Russian oligarchs at St. Bart's <laughs> when we were there, and there's a bar in town called Latie, and as you know, many of your listeners would know it's, it's famous for people dancing on the tables right. at the end of the night. And so our group, uh, the next morning we said, we think the Russian oligarchs were impressed with the Houston crew that was at St. Mark's <laughs> last night. Were you guys dancing? There was some dancing on the table. Were you dancing? I was dancing on the table. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, because that's something that people that don't know, you're going to go, what, what in the world happened? All right, what's your favorite car? My favorite car is a Continental uh, Bentley Continental GT. It's uh, it's my dream car. I, it's the car I'm driving right now. Couple fun things about it. Yesterday morning I was at Starbucks and I was getting in the car and a dad came over to me and said, "My son wants to know is it okay if we take a picture of your car?" Yeah. And I said, "How old is he?" He's four. <laughs> so so the four year olds at Starbucks recognize this car as cool. So it's um. It's sleek design. It's a two-door. It's a W12, 650 horsepower engine. You know, zero to 60 and 3.5 seconds. Um, so it's it's luxury. It, it drives. It's also know, power. Oh, I mean, 650. Yeah, power. it's power. And you know, every now and then you need it. You know, there's you got to get in the way of something. In Houston, yeah, you need it all the time. Yeah, I needed it to get from the airport to here. Well. Uh, the, and the potholes in Houston, it, it can handle those, you know, reasonably well so yeah. far. So, so I've had fun driving it, and uh, it, it's my dream car. And I, I, uh, you know, feel fortunate that I've been able to have some success. Part of the show is as we talk about, you know, su you know, with successful people, part of that success is to be able to achieve those dreams, right? Uh, so that's that's good for you. I've seen it; it's beautiful. Well, it's, thank you. It's it's beautiful. So so well well done on that. So, Paul, tell us a little bit about, about you. Where, where were you born? Sure. I uh, was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and I lived there for, for 18 years until I went to Mississippi State University. 
Why not Ole Miss? You know, I only asked you that because my son went to Ole Miss. Okay. So just, you know the. Well, <laughs> my my dad thought that Ole Miss was too much of a party school. He and, was right. Well, I I thought later you should really come to Starkville on a weekend. I think it's pretty <laughs> close. It's pretty close, but. You know, Ole Miss, or they do claim they never lost a party, and, and I think there's some, some truth to that. But but um, anyway, both both are, are great schools. The the business school at State's probably, at that time, I think, a, a, a step ahead. So I was a business uh, finance student, and uh, a combination of reasons. Had a lot of friends going to, to both places. But yeah. I had a great four years there, and I'm um, enjoying my time when we get back over there from time to time. So when you graduated, where'd you go? Houston, Texas, Allied Bank of Texas. Um, this is mildly amusing. So, Jackson Banks, Birmingham Banks had offers 13,000, 13,500. Allied Bank of Texas, 18,500. Went to Texas for the big money. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, the right move, right? Yep. It was oh, the right move. Right. So, so, uh, what was your first position at Allied? Allied Bank they had a management training program. It's uh, very similar to the one that we have today, the Cadence. And it, it, you get young people right out of school expose them to various areas of the bank, kind of match up their interests with the needs of the bank. And um, it, it, was, it, was, it was a dream job for me. I, I spent nine years there and uh, loved every minute of it. So you started as a trainee for management. Management training for Nine years, where'd you end up? What was your last position at Allied? My last job there, I was a senior vice president and commercial team leader of a team of commercial lenders right on the west side here in Houston. And you left there to go where? to go join Walter Johnson and start um, Southwest Bank of Texas, which years later became Amogee Bank. So we, um, we raised $8 million back in 1990, and we went to a bank that was already existing, recapitalized it, started growing. To make a long story short, um, went public in, um, in 96, um, sold in 2005. And our original investor grew up 36 times their investment over a 16-year period. That's my favorite number of my whole banking career, <laughs> not to be repeated. Margins were way better back then uh, than they are today. But um, Well, I don't want to skip over some of that stuff because I, I want to get to some of these things that made you successful. So you leave Allied and you, and you go work at this um, joint venture or str struggling bank. Should we call it struggling bank? or? Well, you're, you're on the right uh, vibe there, but I, I would summarize it this way. So we, I left and joined a group of investors and we raised a billion dollars to buy distressed banks. The first bank we bought was Cadence Bank. It was not a failed bank, but it had some setbacks. It, its peak market cap was 300 million. We bought it for 30 million. No, no, but wait, go back a little bit. After Allied, when you went to Amogee. Correct. That was a struggling bank as well. Um, yes, South, yeah, Southwest yeah, Bank. Yeah, yeah, it was called Northwest Crossing National Bank until we got there. We joked that we ch changed the direction of the bank. We called it Southwest Bank instead <laughs> of Northwest, Northwest Bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, it had some some uh, some problems. Along and, the way. And, and the reason why I'm, uh, the reason why I'm backing you up to this is I think you have been extremely successful. We're going to talk about all your career, but. It, as I as I see your bio and as I know you and know a little bit of your history and have been able to work with you in some things, it does look like you have a pretty good track record of getting something that's not working well, putting a team together and then knocking it out of the park. 
I think that's so, a fair, yeah. So, so when you left Allied, young kid, nine years there, yep. what was it that somebody saw in you or what was it that you saw to make that jump and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move away from this yeah. nine-year career, yeah. and I'm gonna go into a bank that, or through this investment firm, right. that we're gonna go around and buy banks that are not doing that good. Yeah. What, what did you see in well, yourself? What did people see in yourself? Yeah, yeah. How did that happen? What was that thought process? So, so Southwest Bank of Texas, I mean, the reason I left to join Southwest Bank of Texas is a guy named Walter Johnson. He was a mentor to me. He was the president of Allied Bank of Texas. We were acquired by First Interstate and, uh, in 87. And so by 89, 90, um, I went to him one day and said, I'm thinking about doing something different. And he said, I am too. And so, but I want you to join me. So he was the senior guy. I was the 30 year old, you know, work, willing to work myself to death to try to turn it into something. And, uh, but Walter was the, the leadership. He was a big name in Houston. He was incredibly energetic and smart and motivated and had contacts like you can't believe. And so the Northwest Crossing National Bank board was an unbelievable board. Uh, Johnny Johnson, Beth Morian, I won't go through the whole list, but but incredible leaders in the city of Houston. So we have Walter's super talent, great board, small bank, not much going for it, you know, uh, but 20 employees. But yeah, it was a fixer upper, and we thought that if we came in and worked hard, we could, you know, turn it into something, and we did. So you followed your mentor. Yes. Your mentor saw it in you because he says, yeah, I'm thinking about leaving too, come with me. Yeah. Okay, what did you learn? What were some of the first things that you learned before we get to this incredible success later on? So you 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 decide to join your boss. Yep. You guys go into this by this struggling distressed bank. Right. Did you ever have a thought like, hmm, maybe I should not have done this? There was a, a few moments where, you know, for example, at at Allied Bank of Texas, I had a hundred and seventy-five million dollar loan portfolio. We went to a bank that was $75 million. You know, we had a $2 million legal loan limit. I had $30 million loans. You know, and so, so, I mean, a lot of the people that we banked, we could not handle. And uh, just a quick aside, so a wonderful guy at First Interstate, when I told him I'm leaving, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, oh, I hate to tell you, but people are not gonna leave the eighth largest bank in the world to come back in the nation, to come over and bank with this little neighborhood bank. You know, yeah. you're, you're, it's asking a lot. And I said, well, I mean, you know, I understand that, you know, I, I'm hearing you, but I, I tell you what, I think it's all about people. I think people bank with people, not so much the institution. And so several years later, when we had some success, he called me and said, I remember that conversation. Yeah. And you were right. I think that's right. You yeah. and I have had that conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. People bank with people. It's they a do. people business. Every business is a people business. It's all about building relationships with people yeah. in any business. Yeah, every business is yeah. that way. People buy from people they like. You build yeah. a relationship with them. Yeah. They like you, they figure out a way to buy from you. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's, that's. Yeah. all right, so you move into this bank. Um, the portfolio is a third, um, or maybe a little bit more than what you had over here. Single-handedly. Yeah, as a, as a commercial banker, a right. piece of a bank. Right. So that could be frustrating, right? Because yeah. people you try to bring over here yeah. are already way out of your limit. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, a lot of them I couldn't yeah. even call them. Right. So what was some of the good stuff that was happening? Well, again, this Walter Johnson, I mean, hardworking, smart, motivated, and and we just felt like we could build something together, you know? And, and there was a distressed time. I mean, the 80s were rough, so here we are. You know, coming Especially out. in Houston. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there were, banks were being acquired. There were, responsiveness was at an all-time low. 
And so we always said, um, and we worked a lot of half days at seven to seven. And uh, <laughs> we, we worked from candle cane. Um, and, and a big part of our job was just to out hustle the other guys and gals and, and do a good job for clients. And you repeat that over and over again, it, it, um, it, it adds, adds up. up. Yep. It, it does. You know, we've, we've, it's a theme in every podcast we do about hustling and outworking the other guy. It's not, there's no secret recipe. There's no, <laughs> in any business, right? Mm-hmm. How do you succeed? Half day, seven mm-hmm. to seven. Because people think, well, bankers kind of, you know, they got banker hours. You yeah. hear that thing all the time. That's right. And that may be true at a certain point in somebody's career, but what they don't realize is, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it wasn't that way. I'm working 12 hours, 14 hours a day, barely trying to make it and try to get customers in. Because everybody, everybody sees kind of like the the ending story or the story where you're at today, right. but they don't realize that there was some pain to pay. You had a great mentor and you're working, you're outworking everybody else. Mm-hmm. All right, so what, what happens then? How do you how do you get everything together to develop Amogee? Well, we, um, we started slow. Uh, we were small, but we had nice growth. And uh, we hired um, 75 people and opened two new branches and started to get the word out. And uh, another fond memory is, uh, I remember one of our early board meetings and we're going over all the people that we fired. And one of our key directors, Ernie Cockle, super fantastic guy, turned to me and said, really impressive, the resumes of all these people. Do you think we'll ever make any money? <laughs> and I was like, because we're stacking the expenses on here pretty. And I was like, yeah, 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 I, I do, I do, I do. And so, you know, it, and it's a J curve. All right, at first, you know, we're investing in people, opening branches. And so when we kind of turned the corner and started hitting the numbers, um, I recalled that conversation for Ernie and he <laughs> gave me a pat on the back and said, gold star, we're proud of you. So, All right. Yeah, it's cool. Sometimes you got to pay for the talent, right? Yeah, that's right. Sometimes you got to pay for the talent. Okay, so so you start hiring the people, start opening the branches. How does Amogee, because I think Amogee was like a launching point for you, right? Well, so we, we were Southwest Bank of Texas for um, 13 years. And we wanted to grow. We wanted to go to Dallas. We wanted to be have a mortgage business, an investment business. But we were limited to the eight counties. There was a Southwest Bank in Dallas, in Fort Worth, actually. There was a Southwest Capital. There was Southwest Mortgage. There was Southwest Securities. So the Southwest name, although it's, I have an emotional connection to it, um, in terms of is it a good name, it really not. So we came to the conclusion that we had to change our name. We tried to go by the Southwest Bank in, in Fort Worth and were unsuccessful, got thrown out of the guy's office. Uh, so um, so we did a search, Arnold, it's hard. We did two years, we had two different agencies working, came up with some great names, already taken, already taken. Like, you know, Bank of Nashville has it. Cadence Bank was one of the names that we really liked. Somebody had trademarked it like six months earlier. So um, ultimately we had to coin a word, we had to you know make up a word, Amogee, American Energy, the A Bank, you know, it grows on you. It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of catchy, I think. And um, so we, we we settled on that. And I think uh, it's now is a, a brand that has a, a lot of respect and a lot of uh, a lot of sure. brand equity sure. in sure. the name sure. today. For sure. Okay. So you open. You you guys decide to change the name. Continue the growth. You decide to call it Amogee. How many years were you there? I was there twenty years total. Okay. So from year one to the end. What would you say, what did you guys do that made Amogee so successful? 
Well, it, it's and it may be a couple of things, but what did you guys do? I mean, it didn't. It didn't just happen because yeah. hey, woke up one day and it miraculously happened. Well, a lot of it was again following Walter's leadership. I mean, he he's he's an incredible individual. So, I mean, great respect for our team. Okay, and I mean, it's true. Your most important asset are your people, and they go home every night. So, I people know that we genuinely respect and appreciate. The, the teller, the, the back office, the operation team member. It, it's, it's not all just about the business producers and you know that those are of course point guards are important, but, but you gotta have everybody on the team, everybody pulling together. And then this a little bit of an old fashioned Boy Scout mentality around customer service, you know? Somebody I remember Walter if the phone rings three times, somebody doesn't answer, you know, back, yeah, something's wrong here. You know, we, we had to answer a phone call about three times. So we have training on that, you know, back in the day. These days you, you wouldn't do that because it's a little different. They don't call the office in like, but you know, return all your phone calls every day. But but just be responsive, um, out hustle, and, and try to think about the future of the of our clients. You know, okay, you need your line renewed. We understand that. But what is the next three to five years look like? What what do, what do we need to be in a position to be able to handle for you down the road? Are you acquisitive? Are you and so I think a lot of banks are just like, well, we get the line renewed next. Yeah. And we are trying to be more of a. You think that's still important today? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I think it is in every business. I do too. Yeah. You, you've said something that, again, we continue to hear this in every podcast from every successful person we talk about. You, the first thing you went to was, let's treat our employees right. Mm -hmm. Right? From yep. the teller to whoever. Yep. Let's treat the employees right. Then, then. Customer service, yeah. right? Not customer service before employee, employee then customer service. And we, because sometimes people get that backwards, right? They, yeah. they think that the automatic answer is customer service. Well, you can't have good customer service if, if you've got a pissed off group of employees. I heard a saying one time, and I've used it many times, how your team feels is eventually how your bank, your customers will feel. So, so true. So if, if your bankers feel like, you know, we care, we make a mistake, we own it, we will fix it, then you know, that's they will take pride in that and they will know that the bank is seriously committed to doing a good job for customers. And that's what they'll tell their customers because it's the truth. You know, yeah. It's the reality of it all. Yeah. So yeah, I think it starts with letting your team be empowered and motivated and respected and well compensated. One of the most fun parts of the job is seeing somebody come in early career and contribute enormously and add a room onto the house and you know kids are going to college and and you know people are are thriving uh, financially so uh, that's that's fun that's to a see. great feeling yeah mm -hmm. that's a great feeling all right so you guys put this great deal together you put amogy and then did you guys decide to sell it or somebody came in off you know that's it's an interesting process so for, for many years, you know, we'd have bankers stop by. You guys are, we, we were small, but we, you know, we were having some success. success. No, yeah, had we, we had some visibility out there in terms of a target for M&A. And so every time somebody came by, we would say, hey, board, you know, so-and-so came by, maybe there's price talk, maybe not. And, and so it was an ongoing evaluation of how are we doing, what does our go-forward plan look like, and what price talk is out there. And finally, we got to the point where the price talk was spectacular. And and so we, we decided not to sell the bank, but to talk seriously to some of these interested parties and see what might become of them. And um, so we got 4.1 times book. 
today the average bank trades for one six, one seven. Um, it was margins were starting to come down a little bit. Um, Arn, I wouldn't say we timed it, it right perfectly, so. yeah. But it was you could have said it much better. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it was pretty darn close. And and so I again, I would give Walter a lot of credit for being strategic in terms of how you think about it. And and so we we never really started the bank to sell it. And I think most people think about it. We're not running the business to sell it. We're not running the business to not sell it. We're running the business to do what's Succeed. in the shareholder's best interest. That's right. And and so we entertain those ideas. Some management teams, I think, get confused and won't entertain what is my value in an M&A transaction. And they're more focused on their own job security. And we didn't have that problem. You know, we, we, we were able to really think like shareholders because we were shareholders. I mean, we had the board wisely incented us significantly with stock. So if the shareholders did well, we were going to do well. And if it meant we had to go find another job one day, you know, yeah. we'd go find another job one day. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But you were successful. So you would have. Mm -hmm. All right. So you guys decide to sell. Mm -hmm. You got 4.1. Yep. Um, did you stay or at that point you, Walter, and the kind of like the top management team leaves? Um, I stayed. Uh, for th I had a three-year contract to stay. And at about the end of year did Walter four, leave? He's still there. He's still there. Still there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's semi-retired and he has his hand in a lot of different pies. He's, he's a astute businessman in banking and in other businesses too. Uh, but, uh, and, and a group approached me at about four years after the deal closed and said, now it's 19, um, 2009. And again, distressed industry. It looks like a lot of banks were going to fail. And we had an unbelievable board directors, Bill Harrison, Bob Steele, Mark Shapiro. I want to take you through Scott Stewart from, from KKR. And so I, we, we thought we could raise some money. So we did. We raised a billion dollars. I used to say our, our board was a $90 saddle on a $10 horse. <laughs> it was an extremely capable uh, group of business leaders. And, um, and we started very small. I, um, Gina, my executive assistant, and I were the first two, and we were non-paid for a while in the fundraise phase, and, and then we finally got the money raised. What was y'all's first little office for two people? Paul Barnhart put us up over at Sage Plaza in some space that um, he was super kind of, you know, kind of accommodate us with a, a promise that if we ever raised some money, we could pay some rent one day. And, and did you have, what was the name? Did you already immediately called it Cadence or something else? It was called Community Bancorp. And I teased the guys. I said, who came up with Community Bancorp? <laughs> and they said, to be honest with you, we didn't put a lot of thought in it. <laughs> I said, it shows. <laughs> There's only 110 community right, banks. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, well, we're changing the name. Plus you get that mentality of it's just a community bank. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's not a bad concept. I'm Community banks are yeah. important. I, 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 that resonates, of course, with me. But in terms of differentiating your brand, it's going to be, be hard to do. So. We, we knew that we would change the name, and I said, well, let's just see what we buy, whatever the first thing we buy, well, maybe that'll be the name. And lo and behold, as I mentioned, there's Cadence Bank, which was a name I thought was fantastic, and, and this, here's the bank, and, and we were able to make a deal on that, and it was a great way to get started. So when you buy Cadence Bank in this new little venture that you guys started, mm -hmm. how many branches did they have? Cadence Bank was about 1.6 billion in assets, and Arnold say they had 62 or three branches: Mississippi, Florida, a couple in Georgia, 
but it's really more a, a North Mississippi, Northeast Mississippi franchise with some Florida presence. Um, it was 126 years old when we bought it. At one time they had 26 years of consecutive earnings growth. Uh, it's good bank. And, and, and then they, they made some acquisitions and as I mentioned, the peak market cap was 300 million. We bought it for 30 million. So it was a great way to start. And then you moved to headquarters here. Not right away, but, but we, we bought a failed bank from the FDIC, like immediately within the month. And then we bought Encore Bank here in Houston in 2012. So I would say I was always headquartered here, <clears throat> but the Cadence Bank was technically headquartered in, in Mississippi until we got Encore. And then we sort of reshuffled it, it made. Yeah, yeah. How many branches do they have now? Oh boy, today 350. Do you think, a little side question here, do you think branches are important in the future? Yes, not as important as they have been in the past, but still small business, individuals, I mean, I go to the bank from time to time. You know, there's things you need in cash, you need something notarized. So, so, but in terms of the pictures of payday at the lobbies at the branches from 75 years ago where people are lined up, you know, out to the parking lot, no. I mean, that, that doesn't happen. And thankfully, I mean, that's, right. that's a labor intensive, that's right. That's hard right. way it to do your time. Correct. Yeah. So, you think branches are important? Maybe not as many branches? Not as many and smaller. And uh, still visibility of branches is still good. I mean, it is a, it's a billboard in the right. community for you. But, but customers want to come in and talk to a person. You know, yeah, especially if they're getting a loan. It may yeah. not be the check cashing thing. You're correct. Bit, bit a loan, buy a house, a car. I'm a small business and I've got a new lay that's coming in in two months and I need to talk to my banker about how am I going to finance it. Yeah, they want to sit down and show your financials and have a common sense conversation. Build this this great bank cadence very well known in houston um in, i don't know if it's right or wrong i mean i would call it i think in houston at least again i don't know if right or wrong so correct me but it, but it, it was always you know it was it was it was placed in the right areas and uh some good businesses high-end customers liked that bank yeah well we we recruited an amazing team you know er, in early days so after Encore came along, we were able to, um, to recruit Barry Kelly and about 16 people came with him. So it's, it's not just about having bricks and mortar, it's back to more important about the people. And probably one of the best things that ever happened to us was Barry coming, his team, Hank Holmes, Katrina King, you know, two all-star bankers and were big time rainmakers in, in their businesses. Billy Braddock joined us early on. He's just a phenomenal, still a big, huge uh, contributor to the Go Forward team. And um, it was fun. It was really, you know, a lot of great years. Uh, Bill Harrison was the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. He was our chairman. I talked to him, you know, just uh, about a month ago. And he said, you know, Paul, I was just reminiscing. I was thinking back, you know, the culture that you guys created, the execution for customers, the, the way you treated people, he said, I really enjoyed being part of this. Um, if I could just go a bit yeah, further. For sure. A board meeting several years ago, at the end, Bill turned to me, he says, hey, Paul, uh, I think this is maybe one of the best board meetings I've ever been to. And I was like, God, Bill, I mean, seriously, we ran on time, you know? And, and he said, now keep in mind, JP Morgan Chase, 300,000 employees. Yeah, you know? the monster. And he said, um, 
but you could just feel the camaraderie in the room. So that particular meeting, our mortgage team had been presenting some new products and the compliance folks were on board with it. And so with then 1,500 employees, yeah, yeah, you would think it would have a far different feel than yeah. a, a major you know, corporation and someone with you know, his enormous capabilities could, could run. But uh, it was just one of the highlights of my career to say, Bill Harrison, you know, I, I think this is one of the best board meetings I've ever been to. I, I really feel there's something different about the team that you have assembled here. So I'm proud of that. Yeah, and you should be, you know, and I can see that happening, you know, Paul, from the, the time that I've known you, um, your demeanor, uh, I, I can see that happening. You and I have been um, involved in things where uh, some tough decisions had to be yep. made. And, 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 and it was always great to have that uh, uh, conversation where we kind of always aired in grace and mercy. Uh, it, was, it was good. It was really can, good. can I tell you another favorite story that kind of ties into a question you asked earlier? And the question I'm thinking of was, you know, were there ever a moment where you thought it wasn't a bright idea or yeah. it's not working? So, um, Scott Stewart was the kind of thought leader behind Cadence Bancorp being founded. He went to Bill Harrison and Mark Shapiro and Bob Steele and he recruited this unbelievable board. And so, after we closed on the Encore acquisition in um, July of 2012, we have all these pro formas and, and we go for six months and maybe nine months and, and we're not hitting the pro formas. And so at a board meeting, Scott, who again, he's the KKR guy, right? You know, and uh, I tease him, but I said, you know, before I met you, Scott, I could tell you already, I wasn't like the KKR guy. But, <laughs> so you really changed my mind. Um, but so Scott says, hey, you know, we're not hitting our numbers. We got to pull some levers. Something's got to change. We had investors out here. You know, where, where are we? I, I'm not seeing the returns developing like I, I need to see. And I said, hey, Scott, there's nobody that understands we're not hitting the numbers like me. You know, I, I, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, <laughs> I, I, am, I am all over the numbers and hitting the numbers and the importance of that. And I got the right team. We're, we're making some progress. Yeah, margins are less than we budgeted. And, you know, we're admittedly, but. But, um, and, and I think the mistake I said, but you know, trust me, I'm committed, we're, we're gonna hit them, just, you know. And I, I shouldn't have said, I'm gonna, you're gonna have to be patient. Because <laughs> Scott said, well, if you've perceived that I'm a, a patient person, I'm paraphrasing now, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. if you've perceived I'm a patient person, you've misread me, you know, that's yeah, just yeah, not, that's not my DNA. Yeah, 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 and, and, uh, and he's like, and we got it, you know, so he's back on, and, and so Bob Steele, one of the world's most brilliant people says, hey, Scott, you can't bake a cake in half the time at twice the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> and for whatever reason, that satisfied Scott, you know, more than my, you know, feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so for the next quarter, we're, we're not hitting the numbers, but we're closer. And yeah. the quarter after that, we're, we're hitting the numbers. And, and so it, it was, it was a, just a great board and a great culture and a great collaborative effort. And, and Scott would even say sometimes, okay, I'll play my role. You know, we had to hit the number, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we would, we would laugh about it, but he became a great friend and I'm now an investor in his fund, um, Save You, the fund that they did after yeah. uh, the Cadence Bank. So it's That's nice great. when, you know, people you work with, um, you can gain such respect and, and trust and confidence it's, in them that you want to invest with them. That's so, right, yeah. that's right, because it should be that way, especially yeah. when you're running something so delicate as, as a bank and financials. Mm -hmm. So you guys, so you were, you opened, founded Cadence with the team, um, and you had it how long before you sold it? Okay, so we started in 2010, 
and um, we sold and we merged with Bancorp South in uh, 21, so 11 years. We, we went public in 17. Uh, yeah, so we bought the three banks uh, in 2009, I'm sorry, in 2019 we bought State Bank and then we merged with Bancorp South in uh, 12. And then you stayed on how long after that? I stayed for 18 months. Yep. You miss it? Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, there's part, I'm, I'm not completely out of it. You know, I'm still yeah, helping yeah. out. I'm, I'm, I'm a consultant uh, and I'm still, you know, happy to, to be part of it and, um, you know, see and talk to our, our bankers on a regular basis. Um, you know, in life, one door closes, another door opens. It does, and, no, and it's a great so, chapter in your life, yeah. you know, and it, things like that happen. But I know yeah. it was your baby, yeah. right? And so, you know, there's always that emotional, yeah. right decision, but yeah. that emotional yeah. tie. It, it, for the first, so I left back in April. For the first several months, I was I was really busy, you know, not, not so much with bank things, but but a variety of things. And, and so now as I look to kind of the fall, uh, I really, for the first time, have some daylight in my calendar that I can do more things that, uh, that I want to do. That you want to do. All right, and now you've opened up a, a business with your family. That is our intent. We've, we've uh, founded a company called Murphy Interest. So it's me and my two sons and my daughter, Catherine. And we're um, gonna hopefully do a, a variety of things. My, my son, Trey, in particular, has a, a partnership with Andrew Colton and, and Blake Hogan. And, uh, and they're looking for things to companies to buy that um, you know we can hopefully grow and, and nourish and uh, we'll, we'll say my uh, son Robert is a bit more of the real estate business and more his interests and my daughter Catherine has had an operations job at a company where she had about a hundred people she's kind of more the HR kind of um, inclination of the of the family so we don't know what we might buy or when we might buy it or who's gonna play what role but we're all kind of you know this pulling together step. and yeah yeah but it's great because you get to work with the kids. I feel very fortunate that they're all here in town. We're, we're super close. We spend a lot of time together. And, and so hopefully we wind up in a business or two together. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. What else? What, what do you want to do for fun now? So that's your new business venture. You're still yeah. consultant here. People always call you. I know I do for yeah. questions and comments and, you know, what advice you can give. But what's fun? What's, as you look at the fall that you said, as you look yeah. at fall, what's some fun stuff that you're going to do? More beach, more you know, mountain. You know, I, I, I want to play more golf. Um, uh, my, my, I, I have understood, come to understand that there's no amount of practice that can make up for lack of talent. Okay, <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a low average golfer, but I'm going to practice more. And, and even with that handicap that I'm aware that I have to deal with, uh, I'm going to improve my game some, I think. And, 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 and travel. I mean, I really would like to, you know, get out and do more um, parts of the world that I haven't been to. And, so as a public company CEO, you know, have four weeks of vacation a year, but you don't take that. You right. know, you're, you're, you're always right, on. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's just hard to do. So, um, I don't know, may, maybe teach someday something, somewhere, some level, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you deserve yeah. it. You deserve yeah. it, Paul. You've, yep. worked a, you've, you've worked hard, yep. long, mm -hmm. had a phenomenal career, still have a great career coming mm -hmm. up. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be talking next time this will be blowing up as well, just like everything else that you've done. You've, you've, you've got a good track record mm -hmm. in it. So it's good to hear us here yep. in the beginning of your new venture. And then in a few years, see how that how yep. that has uh, has grown and what's happened with it, especially working with the kids. People starting out in the business today, 
Mm -hmm. Actually, whether it's banking or any business, a young person today getting into the workforce, mm -hmm. what's two pieces of advice that you would give them? I'd first tell a quick story. Um, 1977, a guy that I went to church with recruited me to go to Effingham, Illinois to learn how to sell books door to door. It's the uh, Southwestern Book Company. We started in Nashville, we did a week of sales school, and I'll never forget being out in the parking lot at the Howard Johnson and the sales manager, you know, we're demoing the book and he's checking our, our demo. And just quickly, so take knock on the door three times, take two steps back, Mrs. Jones opens the door, I say, I'm Paul Murphy, I sell Southwestern books. I'm talking to all the people in the neighborhood who have preschool and school-age children. You are Billy and Susie's mom, right? Because you did due diligence at the house yeah. next door. And she would say, yes, you know, break, may I come in, break eye contact, reach down and get your book back. Arnold, the model is to knock on 80 doors to do 30 demos to sell two books, okay? <laughs> Banking is way better than that, all right? <laughs> and, and so what I, want you know young people to understand is you've got to put a lot of effort out there you got to knock on 80 doors you got to do 30 demos to sell two books you know i was able to sell about two and a half books which percentage wise that was you know was meaningful and that helped me get my freshman year at mississippi state you know i had a little walk around money to to, to work with so it's about effort and attitude it's about coming early stay late read the footnotes and there's, there's, as we were saying earlier in the conversation, there, there's no secret formula. Um, you know, tr treat people right. I, I remember early in my career, just kind of being a student of some of the senior bankers. And I would say, I remember one guy in particular, just great with clients, small businesses, large sophisticated investment banker, small businesses, he could relate just beautifully to everyone. And, and I know he had some skill sets, some skills that I didn't have, and, and then, but then other guys. So I try to say, what are his skills that I can mimic? You know, he was a gifted guy. He could walk in and yeah. find everybody. And I, I'm not that guy, but, but I, you know, I, I can get to know people. I, right. I'm comfortable, you know, spending time and asking people about their lives. Yeah, do that yeah. with your personality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to, the, to the best of my skill set, yeah. Or, or maybe there's some skill sets of he's got, I'm going to learn. Yeah. She has that I can maybe do half as well as she can, but it's a really important skill set. So I'm gonna try to take it. So, so, so be a student of people. I mean, watch them in action and see what they're good at and, and where, where do they footfall, you know? I mean, we, we all do that, you know, several times a week. And uh, so try to just think about the folks you're around and how much you can learn from them. And then aim high, work hard. I love it. Okay. That's, that's great for everything. Mm -hmm. And then you're very involved in the community. Still going to be involved in the community? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah that's that's meaningful uh, part of my my life. Is that um, part of your like? I got to give back. I, that's that's certainly part of it. I mean, I, it's it's intellectual curiosity. It's it's I you know I, I want to give back. I, I've I've been very fortunate in my life. Um, you know, I'll confess, as a young banker, part of it was to get out there and get you know meet people and 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 I. I had some discipline about it. I remember I was asked one time to go on one of the nonprofit boards that I'm done. The opera, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I don't go to the opera. I don't really know anything about opera. And But the people you can meet. And I was like, right. I don't think that's the right reason. You know, I'm going to be in something I'm interested in. 
Right. You know. Right. And and so I think if you, if you're interested in it, yeah, I want I want especially as a young banker, I want to meet people in the community that maybe I could do business with one day. Right. So I'm, you know, confess I'm a capitalist, you know, <laughs> in, right. in the good way. Um, but but I think it has to be something that you know really means something to you yeah. as well. And um, so I've been fortunate to have a lot of those. Well, good, good. Well, brother, keep doing what you're doing. Okay. I appreciate you being on. You're nice, nice to have me. All right. Enjoy them. Thank you for listening to Wheels, Deals, and Meals, your main source for all things good and fun, business, food, and cars. If you like this episode, make sure to rate us and subscribe. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please leave a message at the link below. Till next time, happy eating.